Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. So this episode, um, I'm recording it from home today, uh, working from home for a little bit. Kudos to you guys who work remotely. It is really hard to work from home and stay productive. There's so many distractions, at least around my house. Um, This episode, we're going to talk a lot about EAT. There's been some new information that's come from Google this week that has been really exciting for our company because... uh, Um, Those of you who have been uh, following us for quite some time know that we've been really big proponents of learning more about what Google thinks of EAT, expertise, authoritativeness, and trust, um, for quite some time now. So I'm going to uh, string you along to the end of this episode, and at the end of this episode, I'm going to talk extensively on the new information that Google's given us on EAT and what we think about that. Uh, Let's start, as we usually do, by talking about algorithm updates. I think there was some type of an update around the 16th of February. We had a few of our clients that saw a little bit of a gain after this time, Um, and these were all clients that had been working on overall quality issues. The uh, I didn't have screenshots to show in the newsletter um, because the newsletter was written just, I think, a day or two after this update. Uh, and it's hard to, to say, you know, whether an uptick is it could just be a seasonal thing, um, you know. And so hopefully I'll have more information for you on that next week. I feel like there have been some little tiny changes to, I mean, there's always changes to Google's algorithms, um, but I do feel like they're working on something and that uh, something big is is coming up. Um, it's interesting to note, too, that there actually are signs of a Bing algorithm update. I have to admit, I haven't paid a lot of attention to Bing. And... Um, you know, Barry Schwartz asked a Bing spokesperson uh, about whether or not there was an update because some people were noticing this. And the response was that um, he said the ranking model updates very frequently. So changes like this are expected more or less all the time. So, um, you know, if you get a lot of traffic from Bing, it's something to, to look into. Uh, Just as a tip for the beginners in SEO, if you're trying to figure out how much traffic you're getting from Bing as compared to Google, you can see this in your analytics. And uh, now I don't have analytics open right now, but if I recall correctly, you're going to go in the left column to um, source medium. uh, So audience, source medium, and then you'll have the chance to see uh, Google organic traffic, Bing organic traffic, even Yahoo traffic. Uh, and so you can take a look and see, you know, has your Bing traffic improved? It seems to me, I looked at a few clients that get some traffic from Bing and sometime in the middle of February, a bunch of them saw some increases. So I have no idea what this algorithm update was going after. Um, it reminded me though, that we should probably start paying more attention to Bing, uh, you know, because people do use it. And so for some sites, this can be an important important source of traffic. So it's probably a good idea for you to just every now and then take a look at your Bing traffic, uh, see if there's some improvements that you can make uh, to try to rank for, you know, if you have queries where maybe you're not ranking great on Google, uh, but you're ranking like, let's say, number four or five on Bing, sometimes you can just make a few changes to tweak the content on that page, changes to the title tag, changes to the, um, the layout of the page, things like that. And you may actually be able to win number one rankings in Bing, even if you're not ranking well in Google. Um, It does happen from time to time. And so sometimes ranking number one in Bing can actually bring you quite a bit of traffic. So that's something uh, that, you know, you might want to play around with at some point in the future. 
wanted to talk about a really interesting recovery story. So um, most of you probably know that we do a lot of work with sites that have been hit either by manual actions from Google or some type of an algorithmic hit. Like there was an algorithm update and the site uh, declined in traffic. And then we work to try to get that site back. Um, you know, we're often successful, but not 100% of the time. So back in 2015, I was approached by a, um, a small business that had a manual action. And we worked to remove this. It was a manual action for unnatural links. And we removed it. And most of the guy's rankings returned, but uh, there was a main keyword that we just could not get him ranking for again. And it was interesting because this keyword was one that was used for link building back in the day. So this was one of the keywords that got them this penalty. And we knew this from uh, auditing links. We could see it's a two-word phrase, um, a, a, a service plus a location, a city, basically. Think like plumbing Ottawa, something like that. And uh, this guy was on page five for this main term where really like he's known as one of the best in the city for this. Uh, and so it didn't really make sense. And we had all sorts of communications with Google about this. Uh, I was back and forth with uh, John Mueller at some point. Um, Gary Ish actually went to visit this business and told them like this was Gosh, it, yeah, it was 2015. I'm trying to think now. I remember Gary saying that, uh, oh, yeah, you're going to be feeling really good when Penguin rolls out. And that was in that time frame where we didn't have uh, an update for almost two years. And then Penguin rolled out, and we still did not see improvements for this keyword. And we were disavowing, like, every month. Uh, we were finding new links that came up, and we just couldn't figure out why they could not rank for this keyword. We talked about maybe creating a new site, creating even a microsite just for that particular keyword. Um, and the site owner said, you know what, it's not that important to us. Um, let's just forget that keyword because the rest of our website was ranking really well for other profitable keywords. And so we just sort of forgot about it. So he emailed me recently, and it turns out that with the, there was a mild update February 4th to 7th. We, we covered that in the newsletter. And uh, he wrote to tell me that all of his keywords that were suppressed for, gosh, four years um, finally came back to uh, rankings. I think he's ranking number two for his, uh, this main keyword now. So what's going on here? You know, and it's hard to say. Google has said, and this is something that's in the newsletter, that if you have a manual action, it's not like there's a stigma that's on the site um, that says, oh, this site's been involved in unnatural link building, so we never want to trust it again. Google says that if you clean up this link profile, that um, all of the issues that passed along those, those link signals would be gone in Google's eyes. And we felt really confident that we had disavowed everything we could. And in fact, we had, when Gary visited this business, he actually looked at the disavow file and said, yeah, you guys are doing a great job. So I think that something was broken. <laughs> um, and so if you, and I've seen this in other sites, sites that had a manual action and we just could not get them ranking again, even though they deserve to rank. And every now and then one of these sites will just pop up. So there's a few possibilities here. One is that um, manual actions expire. I think it's possible that this manual action was never fully lifted and then it finally expired. Um, I think it's also possible that Google uh, changed something in their rankings, um, in their, their uh, the assessments that they put on um, link quality. And so something just may have shifted, perhaps the site got enough good links to 
cross a line to put them into a high quality site. It just doesn't make sense though. So I know that's a lot of discussion on a kind of vague situation. The reason why I mention it is that I know that a lot of you listening have had manual actions or have dealt with sites with manual actions in the past. And I would say start looking, you know, if you've had trouble ranking for certain keywords, take a look and see if anything's changed there because it's possible. I do think that this February 4th to 7th update was, you know, it had a lot to do with links and the quality of your links. So um, if you've been struggling to rank for particular keywords, it's possible that those have changed. If you did regain some rankings for keywords that you've been suppressed for years for, please do let me know. Um, you can reach out to my team at help at mariehaines.com. If you're a newsletter subscriber, you can respond to the email. At this point, it still goes to my um, my personal email address, although we may change that in the future. But for now, if you have a story like that to share with me, please do, uh, because I'm quite interested in hearing that. Um, let's see what we'll do next here. Uh, it's no secret that Google Plus is shutting down. I got a notification from Google saying, remove all Google Plus web integrations from mariehaines.com. I think all that we've used is a share button, uh, and so it's not a big deal to me. You know, at some point, we'll fix those. Um, but, I mean, if it's all over your site, uh, Google Plus integrations, you really want to work on getting rid of those. What I don't know, though, is whether you can still use the Google um, integration for logins and signups. I know a lot of tools uh, allow you to sign in with Google, your Google login. And I think that was connected to Google Plus. I kind of feel like that's not going away, but I don't know that yet for sure. There's been some news that Google Docs has a new API. That's exciting. So Google Docs, meaning uh, Google, um, the, the documents and also Google Spreadsheets. Uh, and it looks like this API is meant to work with uh, sites like Zapier and Netflix, um, even MailChimp, other things like that. But we're going to look into this and see if we can use this perhaps to help speed up our link audits. Um, you know, and if you are doing tasks that uh, are repeated time and time again in Google Docs, this is something you might want to look into using the API to program things for task automation, which is kind of a cool thing. Uh, Barry Schwartz reported that um, there are no longer mobile app properties in Search Console. So Google seems to be moving away from apps. I've seen two Google presentations at conferences where they gave us the stat that says the average user, guess how many apps the average user installs in a one month period? the number of average installs is zero. Um, and the reason for that is that, I mean, obviously there are apps being installed around the world, um, but overall people usually stick with just a couple of apps that they tend to use. So I don't know if this is Google's switch towards um, trying to get everybody on using uh, PWAs. I, you know, I really don't know. So um, something to know if you are tracking uh, app analytics in Search Console, then this is something that's going to end by the end of March. So you won't be able to do that anymore. Uh, let's see what else we can do here. Somebody noticed that there are some featured snippets, actually related features uh, appearing in Google News. So that's not something I think that you can really optimize for, although perhaps you can. But I wanted to bring up this point that if you are a news website, so similar to us, you know, we take all of the stories that have been written about uh, on SEO 
And then we put them into our newsletter and we try to add our own little twist to it. So again, you know, tons of people wrote about this EAT thing that came out from Google just this week. And then we wrote an article that was not just summing up the news as everybody else did, but adding our own insight into it, adding things that you would not find in the regular news. So I know that that's way more labor intensive than just having your writers cover the same story everybody else is. But if you can find ways to add angles to stories, to add value. And I'm not talking about like, you know, having a nicer design or just presenting it in a slightly different way or adding a couple of tweets. I'm talking about um, writing news stories in a way where Google would say, oh yeah, we have the main news story that we want to rank, but this site adds a really good perspective and people would like to read both the main story plus this story. I would really urge you news sites to start writing like that, um, to start trying to find, and this is part of Amit Singhal's 23 questions on Panda. Uh, one of the questions is, um, does this article add a unique insight uh, to the story? Is there original reporting? And that's the type of thing that if you are writing content, you really don't want to be just summarizing everybody else's thoughts on stories. You want to do all you can to add your own uh, unique and valuable content. We had a bunch of uh, interesting little tips. I'm not going to cover all of them because I don't want to make this episode of the podcast too long. Uh, one thing, though, somebody asked John Mueller about um, if you, uh, they're migrating two folders on their website, two subdomain, uh, I don't think it was subdomain, subfolders. And how do you let Google know? Because Search Console seems to be seeing them still as two separate folders. Um, and John's response was redirects, always redirect when changing URLs. So that's important to know. If you, and this is kind of basic SEO, but I see a lot of people get this wrong. If you are making changes to a page, if you change the URL, um, then you need to redirect the old URL to the new one. Otherwise, any links that are pointing at that old URL or any signals that Google's got to say, oh, you know, this website has lots of content on this particular subject, that's going to be lost when that URL changes. If you 301 redirect that to the new URL, then all of those signals will pass along the redirect. So that's definitely something that you want to do. Wanted to pass on a cool tip from Lily Ray. Lily pointed out that if you're having trouble with JavaScript issues, so JavaScript can really mess up SEO sometimes if it's not done um, correctly. And if you are having issues with JavaScript, then uh, try crawling your site uh, as using a mobile user agent. Um, because now that Google's doing a lot of mobile-first indexing, there might be issues that look fine on desktop. And so if you use Screaming Frog or a similar tool to crawl your site on uh, desktop and everything looks fine, you might find that when you crawl it with a mobile user agent that there are actually issues that didn't come up on the desktop search. So that's something that I would urge you to do. Um, we covered, if you missed it, uh, Gary Ish did an AMA on Reddit, which was actually super helpful. We have something on our blog, um, mariehaines.com slash blog, with we've pulled out what we think are the most interesting parts of the AMA. Uh, a couple of things from there. I'm not going to go over all of it. Um, you can read the full post for that. But uh, one of them, somebody asked, if you use hreflang, does that give you a ranking benefit? So let's talk a little bit about hreflang. I think hreflang is one of the most confusing parts of SEO. So just to go back to basics, the general idea of hreflang is if you have two pages that are essentially the same content, but they're in different languages. So let's say I have a product page 
um, you know, and it's in English, but I have a very large Spanish audience, then I would have a separate page in Spanish. And then let's say I have 10 different languages that I'm using on my site. Well, that is a lot of duplication, even though the content is essentially the same. It's in a different language. Using a canonical tag may not work here because Google may not be able to recognize that, you know, it's the same content, but it's in a different language. So this is where you use hreflang to say, um, oh, well, this is our English version of the page and the Spanish version is here and the German version is here and the French version is here um, and all of these pages link to each other. Now, does that give you a ranking benefit? Not really. And I say not really because it can um, help you get more targeted ta- traffic. So it can help you get um, more Spanish viewers um, or users. And uh, Google will know that if somebody is searching and uh, they tend to want Spanish results, then we're more likely to show them your Spanish page than your English page. So um, it's important to know that, you know, using hreflang is not going to give you a sudden ranking benefit. But if you do have multiple languages on your website, you really should be looking into it. hreflang is a hard thing to implement without errors. Uh, I know Aleda Solis has a really cool tool that helps you figure out if your hreflang is appropriately used. So if you're stuck with hreflang, that's a good place to start. Um, Somebody asked Gary Ish whether Google uses, um, how does Google use unlinked mentions? So unlinked mentions are a part of EAT. uh, And in our opinion, Gary said that unlinked mentions are based on, and they use them for entity determination. So let's unpack that because that sounds kind of vague and technical. And uh, when I first heard it, I was like, what is he talking about? Um, Some of you are probably very well versed in entities. We feel like it's something where we need to put more time as a team into learning how do search engines use entities. Um, And so the way I understand it is that basically everything is an entity. I'm an entity. um, Our business is an entity. uh, The date is an entity. I mean, there's all these different things. And Google couldn't determine. So let's say me uh, as Marie Haynes, that I am an entity. Um, Google can use that to determine my authority. Um, so Google can see that, oh yeah, you know, Marie Haynes was mentioned in search engine Roundtable or on search engine land or on Moz. Um, and that can speak to the authority of my name as an entity. And they can tell that I'm not the same Marie Haynes as some other Marie Haynes. Um, some of you know the story about how I bought my domain name, mariehaynes.com. It originally belonged to a writer of erotic romance novels, which is not me. Um, and so Google can determine that, you know, that's a different Marie Haynes than me. Entities are really cool. And we think that uh, they're highly tied to EAT. So going back to, um, not to be so egotistical to keep talking about myself, but let's say I was mentioned in an article on the New York Times on SEO. And, uh, you know, that would be pretty cool. New York Times doesn't tend to link out. And if they do, it's often no followed links, I think. Um, So if I had that mentioned, Google could still recognize, even without a link to pass page rank, they can recognize that, oh, yeah, this is the same entity that we have connected to SEO. And that, we think, speaks to that person's EAT, mostly the A, the authoritativeness in EAT. So how do we use this? 
I think that a lot of, if you are a business that has some brand recognition, you should really be investing in PR, in public relations, uh, where you can get mentions. And even if you are not getting links from those high authority mentions, the mentions can still help um, speak to your level of authority and can, in my opinion, help improve your rankings. Similarly, somebody asked Gary Ish in the AMA whether EAT was connected to links. And uh, he said it's kind of unso- that's a simplified version of EAT, but yes. Um, and so if you are being linked to from experts in your field, then there's a high possibility that you're going to be seen as an expert in that field. So, for example, again, I'm just using myself as an example, but um, I mean, again, there are tons of examples about this. But let's say that... Um, you know, Rand Fishkin uh, mentioned me and Rand is known as an authority in, in SEO. Then uh, again, the the links, the fact that I'm getting links from other people that are well known in SEO builds up the possibility that I could be an expert in SEO. Um, and so really, I mean, link building is not dead, but I think Google is getting so good at figuring out which links truly are links because somebody wanted to say, hey, we think this person's an expert. And which links are there just because you've paid some money for it or that you've guest posted or that you've traded content for links. So do not stop trying to get good links. It's very, very important. But I would really urge a lot of you to just refine the quality of the links that you're getting. I would rather see one fantastic mention in a high authoritative place than a whole bunch of really easy to get article marketing links. Um, I will stop harping on that now because uh, I know a lot of you are still paying a lot of money for link building that is probably doing nothing. Um, But, uh, you know, not all link building is bad. Um, Let's see. Majestic now has some backlink filtering. So backlink filtering, uh, it looks like now what we can do is we can actually look at the types of links, whether, you know, sort your links by followed links, no followed links. Um, by a number of other things. This has been in Ahrefs for quite some time. I am a bigger user of Ahrefs than Majestic. And I'll tell you, it's just because that's what I originally started using when I was doing link audits. Um, You know, I started doing link audits back in 2012. And uh, I used Ahrefs, Majestic, Moz, a bunch of other sources. Um, I'm still a subscriber to Majestic because I think that they have really good data uh, to help us with link audits. They can find links that other tools cannot find sometimes. Um, But one of the things I find with Majestic is that the interface is kind of dated. Um, So this is a step in the right direction. And uh, if you are a Majestic user, you can get a lot of good information about your links from Majestic. Let's see. We'll skip over a couple of things here. Local SEO. So there's now apparently uh, the option to respond to reviews directly from Google Maps results. Um, I have not seen this yet, but I think it's it's maybe rolling out slowly. I'm not sure about that. But um, now if you are logged into your Google My Business profile and you uh, come across a review in the search results, you can respond to that review. You don't have to go into your Google My Business dashboard. So that's kind of cool. You should be doing everything that you can to respond to reviews. If somebody reviews you, we had a client that um, I'm pretty sure it was a competitor that uh, reviewed this client saying like, oh, we had horrible service here and they never, uh, they didn't do this. They didn't do that. And we looked at our records and like there was, 
we're pretty sure this person never actually engaged with this business. So um, I encouraged the client to leave a review that basically said, hey, we're sorry that you had this bad experience. We just checked our records. We don't think that we've worked with you and wonder if this could be a mistake. Regardless, we're going to work on this issue. You know, if it is a problem, we're going to work on fixing it. And please contact us again so we could do all we could do to help. So what does that do in responding to that review? I think it does two things. One, I think there are algorithms that show that, oh, yeah, this business owner cares enough to respond to reviews. They're probably trustworthy. Um, and I think that the second thing that it does is just show other users, uh, you know, oh, this this site no longer has a five star rating. And let's look at the negative reviews and people can see like, oh, that's not a big concern. So I would definitely encourage you to respond to your reviews. Um, you know, let's see here. There's some information in the newsletter for paid subscribers on merging uh, Google My Business locations. Um, we'll skip over that in podcast for now. There's also information about changes for service area businesses. Joy Hawkins has a great article about um, what has changed. And uh, if you are a service area business, so what I mean by that is if you are a business that services an area, you know, you do a radius of so many miles from your house uh, or from your office, um, there are some changes. So I'd urge you to look into uh, how Google is dealing with that now. Um, and again, we have that in the newsletter. There's a link to Joy's article for more information on that. So let's, I want to finish off here by talking about this new information from Google on EAT. And this has been very controversial. Uh, to me, it's not controversial, but uh, you know, we've had a lot of flack on Twitter uh, about my thoughts on this. So here's what I think. There was a white paper that was released by Google uh, last weekend. And it was basically telling us how Google combats the spread of misinformation online. Um, and that's a big thing. I think Google's really, uh, uh, you know, as an election is coming up in the United States in the next little while, um, Google wants to make sure that they're showing unbiased information and that they're not promoting websites that have false information. And so one of the things that this white paper said, pages 13 to 16, talk specifically about organic search and uh, they tell us they actually mention EAT so expertise authoritativeness and trust EAT is I believe it's 186 times in Google's quality raters guidelines and um, what this white paper says is that uh, EAT is very important um, they say if we uh, let me read this quote here as such, where our algorithms detect that a user's query relates to a YMYL your money or your life topic we will give more weight in the ranking systems to factors like our understanding of authoritativeness, expertise, or trustworthiness of the pages we present in response. So if you are trying to find out more about EAT, we have loads of stuff on the website that we've written about it. Um, you can go to mariehaines.com slash EAT, no dashes or anything, just eat. Uh, and everything that you really need to know or that we understand about EAT is written there. Um, we also have a part two of our EAT webinars coming up soon. EAT is not a switch that you just turn off or on. It's not like all of a sudden you become an authority. Um, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, the A really, I think, is connected to links and mentions. So, you you know, if you're a brand and nobody's ever heard of your brand, then Google's algorithms are going to be less likely to consider you an authority. And if somebody is searching for terms that um, have the impact, uh, the, the ability to impact their lives, then 
you, you're probably not going to rank for those terms. So it's very important to build up an online presence, to get people talking about you, to get industry experts talking about you. But a lot of people forget that there's an E and a T in EAT as well. I actually think that E is not as important, um, the expertise. But what I do think is that trust is incredibly important. And so Google is finding all of these little ways to figure out whether your business is trustworthy or not. We have a whole article on that on mariehaines.com slash trust, where we can uh, we unpack all of the things that are in the Quality Raiders guidelines surrounding trust. Now, when I tweeted, so I tweeted a bunch of stuff saying that um, this is really encouraging because Google, this is the first time outside of the Quality Raiders guidelines that Google has really talked officially about EA and I believe that they're saying it's a ranking factor. So that caused a whole bunch of Twitter discussion. Is EAT a ranking factor? Is it a signal? Is it just something that they look at? And honestly, I don't think it matters. I do think it's a ranking factor. To me, I mean, let's say, okay, what is a ranking factor? A ranking factor really is uh, something that Google takes into account when they're figuring out where to rank your website. So an example of a ranking factor that we're pretty sure is true is whether you have keywords in your title tag. Um, that can help improve your rankings for that particular keyword in some cases. So EAT is something that Google looks at, not for every query, you know, and Google doesn't look at title tags for every single query. So it's one of many, many things. And I think that this is why John Mueller said a little while back that we should stop talking about ranking factors. There's, it, we've, we've moved beyond that. It's not like this, we can say, ah, you have X EAT, therefore you are going to rank in this position. It's just one of the many things that Google will consider when ranking your site. So I don't know if I fully explained my thoughts on that It's it's and, and what the controversy was about. I think the controversy really was about people who don't believe that EAT is a legitimate thing. Um, and I do think that it is. I mean, we've seen sites, it's very clear where sites have dropped because Google has recognized that they're lacking in either authority or trust. Um, and we've seen some sites where we've been able to build up the authority and trust and help them rank better. Uh, but it's very, very hard to do that. So I don't want to end on a negative note. I'm saying if you have um, issues that are related to recent algorithm updates, you really want to pay attention to EAT. EAT can be improved. And in many cases, there are things that you can do right now to improve your EAT. In a lot of cases, though, EAT is something that's going to take even years to improve. Uh, and so I know that sounds disheartening, um, but the reality is that if you are not a recognizable brand, it's going to be hard to rank. So if you are a recognizable brand or if you're starting to get a little bit of brand recognition, then that's exciting. And I always come back to, again, you know, years ago, I had no authority in SEO. And the fact that you're listening to this podcast means, you know, I have some recognition. Um, and so I've built up my authority, gone from a nobody in SEO to somebody who people listen to. And you can do that for your brand as well. It takes hard work, but it can be done. So with that, we're going to end this podcast. Um, I really hope that things are looking up for your rankings. And uh, uh, as always, if you're interested in contacting us, you can reach us at help, H-E-L-P, at mariehaines.com. And I look forward to giving you the news next week as well. Good luck with your rankings.